with the moms. And uh, right now at this time, we're going to go right into our opening video. Uh, we've been doing a series here in the Lighthouse Church of Christ called God Provides. And uh, I think it's very appropriate when we think about the relationship that we have with our moms and how much our mothers have done for us. That we can relate it to our understanding of having greater faith and looking in the scriptures at the examples of mothers uh, and the faith that they have in God. And so that's what we're going to be doing at this time. This is a story that takes place in 2 Kings. It's about the widow and the oil. And it's about a mother who's in a very desperate situation. You see, 900 years before Christ... There wasn't a lot of great insurance plans going on that you could buy into. And this woman's husband dies. And she has sons, and she doesn't really know what to do. And so this is the setting for the video that we're going to watch. Like I said, it takes place hundreds of years before Jesus. And we're going to watch the video, and then we're going to spend some time in the Scriptures this morning, really getting our faith encouraged. And so uh, let's go ahead and cue up the video at this time. We have come to collect your husband's debt. We have waited long enough. Woman, answer me. We have come for your husband's debt. Pay it. All of it. My husband is dead. And I have nothing. What are you doing? Please. How old are you? No. Well, in my field. Both of them, three days. If you do not pay all of it, I'll take both your sons. I'll be back soon.
Elisha. Hello. Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know he feared the Lord and that he was known among the prophets. Now, his creditors, they, they want to come and take my children as his slaves. What do you have? What? What do you have in, in your house? I have nothing. What do you have? Nothing. Bring it to me. Go to your neighbors. Get all their empty jars. Get as many as you can carry. And bring it here. Pour the oil into the empty jar. When each is filled, put it to the side. Get all you can carry. the jar.
I like that look at the end she gives the guy. It's a pretty good movie, huh? The title of the message today is, What Do You Have? Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. Moms are incredible, aren't they? And I love this story in the Bible because we see a mom who is probably by her nature very resourceful, as most moms are, very resourceful. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And I want you even to think right now about your mom. And uh, even if, you know, some of us I know don't have our mothers anymore, and, and some of us do, but some of the things our moms did, or even still do, that are extremely resourceful. And I'm, I'm really encouraged that my wife is here today, and my baby is here today for the first time since uh, he was born, and that's very encouraging. And it caused me to think about, uh, you know, how resourceful she is. And we have baby wipes around the house again. It's been about six years since we've had those. Miraculous inventions of man. And it reminds me, having baby wipes again, about a time when I got into our van, about the time uh, our, our kids were a lot younger. And there in the van were baby wipes laid out on the floor mat. And I kind of had an attitude with my wife, like, what are you doing laying out these baby wipes? And I asked her. And she said, well, we're out, of, we're out of Kleenex, and our kids need to blow their nose, so I'm drying them out so that they can have Kleenex for when we drive around. <laughs> and I just was like, oh, man, you know, <laughs> I am not a mom, clearly. But there's even times for moms who are extremely resourceful where we face circumstances in our lives that it requires faith in God to overcome. And isn't that the most noble time? I mean, I appreciate having the Ardron kids up here talking about their mom. And it's amazing the moms that we have in our fellowship and how special they are. And it makes me think that there's so much that our kids don't understand that moms do for them. And I know there's probably many things that my mom did for me that I'll never understand. But the things that we do know about and the things that we can remember, these are the kinds of days when we want to tell them. And thank them for all that they do. But the prophet in the story, we're going to read about it here, Second Kings chapter 4, look over there with me. He says something very interesting, especially given this woman's circumstances. She's a widow. Her husband is dead. And not only is her husband dead, but now she is about to lose her sons. Imagine the incredible difficulty it would be to lose your spouse, but then to also potentially lose your children. Heartbreaking, overwhelming, tragic. And here we read uh, the, the account. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Verse 2. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? You know, isn't that an interesting question for Elisha to ask? What do you have? What do you have? I mean, it almost comes across as incredibly insensitive. What do you mean, what do I have? I've got a broken heart. I've got an incredibly overwhelming situation I'm facing. What do you mean, what do I have? 
And even in the video, I thought it was really well done because he asks her about three or four times. And she's thinking, what do you mean? And we go on and says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. I don't have anything. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What an amazing story. Amazing story of a woman who has incredible, incredible faith. Facing the circumstances that she was. And the prophet tells her, what do you have? I don't have anything. Here's what I have, a little bit of oil. He says, go and get some jars. You know, she doesn't sit there and go, but, but, but. You don't understand my situation. She takes the prophet of God at his word. And she does what he says. And we're going to see the significance of that as we go on throughout uh, this morning's lesson. But think about that for a minute. How many times in your daily walk with God do you read the Bible and God says something to you? And you walk out of that time with God, but you don't take God at his word. You ever do that? And it's interesting because as, as we've done this God provides series, what it's opened my eyes to, and I think for a lot of us, is that God really does provide for us. God is going to take care of us no matter what. He will take care of your needs. But he asks you to walk in faith with him. The question is, will we walk? Will we obey? Will we go with him? You know, moms are resourceful. Who has a, a, a story? Think about right now. Who has a, an idea about how your mom was resourceful? I want, I want to hear you know, some of your stories. And some of us have some pretty funny stories about our moms and how resourceful they can be. So you just raise your hand, stand up. Mike, you want to stand up and tell us about your mom and how resourceful she is? Anyone else want to share? KMP? <laughs> Sounds like a mom, right? <laughs> Kelly, want to stand up? Wow. All right. Get some resourceful stories and some scary ones. Yeah, Larry.
That's resourceful right there. But, but, but one look at Larry and it looks like it all worked out, right? Okay, let's go one more in the back. That's intense. Wow, aren't moms awesome? I mean, they're incredible. I was just going to share about how, uh, you know, my wife can come up with, like, a gourmet meal out of leftovers, but you guys definitely uh, topped uh, all those stories. Moms are amazing. You know, actually, my mom growing up uh, had a really deep conviction about putting my sister and I through private school and elementary school. So she would go out. And she would buy antiques that were broken down. She would fix them up and resell them so that we could go to private school. I mean, something out of nothing. And, and that's really the heart that, that moms have. And when you look in this story here in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we'll keep going with the slides, uh, you'll see that this is the kind of heart. Elisha replies to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? You know, so many times I think that uh, what, what we can struggle with is not what we have as Christians, but what we don't have. Instead of having faith in how God can move and work through the gifts that we do have. And she says, you know, your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. You know, how many times do we say that? I don't really have much. I've got a little bit of this. I've got a little bit of that. It's not really that useful. And yet, with God on your side, God can multiply any gift. God can move in any way in your life. And that's super encouraging. What do you have? I'm going to keep going here. Thank you, Clay. Sometimes we have an easier time believing that mom will provide rather than God will provide. And that's in some ways a testimony to how awesome moms are, right? Moms make it happen. Moms figure it out. Moms get you that gift for your birthday that you thought you'd never get. But it also can show sometimes our lack of faith in a heavenly father who has all of those qualities, the perfect mom and the perfect dad. Believing that God provides for us, it takes real faith. Not just a a belief in our minds that... You know, God is there, but that he's actually going to provide for your needs. That he's actually going to work through your life. And I believe that so many times the examples of great moms in our life can speak to how awesome God is. If we would see those godly qualities in our moms and see how God works and attribute them uh, as well. See, faith is not just belief only in our minds. True faith. Is something that acts on the belief that we have. What is so amazing about the widow is that she did something. In her moment of desperation, she cried out to God. We've talked about this year how oftentimes faith is born in the darkest times of your life. Where you have nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. Difficult things are happening. Our lives are being torn apart. And as we look at our country and we look at our culture today... There are so many opportunities for faith to be born. Not because life is so good, but because there's many challenges in relationships, in family dynamics, with money. It's a challenging time in our world. And yet God can use challenging times 
to grow your faith like he did with this woman. The question is, again, will we walk with him? Here is the dilemma that we face in our culture today. Do you focus more on what you do have or on what you do not have? And how does the world want you to focus? You know, I put before you today that you could go watch the TV for 10 minutes. And and I want to encourage the brothers here because I know there's a lot of playoffs on today and things like that. But this is Mother's Day. Unless the moms want to watch the Laker game. And I know they're going to lose anyway. But unless the moms want to watch the Laker game. Well, I just want to help you out because I don't want you to. I don't want you to get so disheartened on Mother's Day that you discourage mom right there. So, uh. hey, Laker fans, your day was coming and it has arrived. Yes. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Here's the things I don't have. I don't have an ocean villa. I don't have my sports car that I wanted by age 35. I don't have patience. You can't read that, but it says, this dog says, I'm going to kill you in your sleep for doing this to me. Sometimes it's not the monetary things. I don't have a pile of money lying around. How about you? You know, it's so easy to focus on what we don't have. God wants us. What do you have? How can we walk together? How can I walk with you? See, the prophet, interestingly, doesn't snap his fingers and solve the widow's problems. And isn't that what we want God to do? God, you're omniscient. You're omnipresent. You're everywhere. You could do anything. If you just snap your fingers, my problems would go away. And he doesn't always do that. And how do we respond in those moments? Do we get bitter towards God? Does it cause us to question our faith? And wonder if he's really there or not. Or do we respond like this great woman of faith? We cry out to God. We get an answer and he says, I want you to do something. I want you to act. She says, okay, let's do this. We're going to go out and we're going to collect as many jars as we can. The man of God that she goes to, he helps her to devise a plan But it's something that she has to act on, something that she has to follow through with. And what's interesting, I think, is that God works in this way. And it helps us, I believe, as men and women of God to become more fully invested in our relationship with him. Why is that? Because if God just solved all your problems, you wouldn't be really invested in the relationship. I mean, this is just a parenting truth, isn't it? Do you give your kids everything they want? And why not? Because we understand over time that if we do that, there's an expectation they'll have. And they won't appreciate the things they have. The best gift I ever got for Christmas. I was eight years old. It was a nickel-plated mongoose BMX bike. Now, this is back in the 80s. $300 for that bike. And it's interesting because it was against my mother's better judgment. Didn't want to get the bike, but Dad wanted to get me the bike. You know, I'm fired up about Dad when he wants to get me the bike. But I'll tell you this, that bike did not stay in my possession more than a year because I left it out one night in the front yard and it was stolen. And I can remember later on my mom telling me, I knew that was going to happen. 
Because sometimes when we get things easy, we don't appreciate it. We don't learn the lesson that goes with it. I hear a lot of people that talk about, you know, the, their, their, their parents growing up would buy them half of something if they bought the other half. I'll buy you one snow ski. You buy the other one. And then you'll be invested. You won't just be involved. You know, I want to ask you this morning, as a, as a disciple, as a follower of God, are you invested in the church or are you just involved? You know, what's the difference? The difference is really walking by faith. Getting involved. You know, so encouraging last week. We had this community service day here at the temple. So many people were here to serve. Doesn't it look great outside? I mean, it looks incredible. The Kingdom Kids area, painting and cement work done. And I just think, wow, that's awesome. But you know the other thing that it does for us that's really good is it helps us to feel like this is a part of us. I don't just come here and meet for church. I'm invested in this place. This place is meaningful to me because I give to it. And a relationship that you don't give to is not meaningful. A relationship that you do not give to is not meaningful. And the same is true in our relationship with God. You know, she was invested. And this is a principle of Scripture that you're going to see is true throughout the Bible. God has always believed in partnership with us. He wants to work together with us. He wants to walk together with us to experience life together, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs. And it will grow your faith as a result. Again, I love the, the look at the end of the video she gives the guy. Like, don't mess with me and God. My God's awesome. My God's amazing. My God can do anything. Do you have that look in your eye this morning? Is that how you see God this morning? Or do you wonder and kind of hope? You know, that's when you're more involved and less invested in your relationship with God. But man, when you're invested in your relationship with God, you get that look in your eye. Don't mess with me. Not me, but God. Because he's awesome. And he can do anything. And it's inspiring to our faith to see God work in that way. Partnership principles are found everywhere in Scripture. And I just want to show you a few this morning. I'd like you to write these down uh, in your notes. 2 Chronicles chapter 21, 24. And this goes to our giving. And we're going to have an opportunity to give our offering here a little bit to God. But I want you to see this principle of partnership that David talked about in his relationship with God. Because David was the king of Israel. David was a man of great wealth and great power. And those are things that we kind of look to in our world today and go, I wish I had that. The question is, do you want the seven years of suffering that he had before he got there? You know, and the the lessons he learned in his relationship with God to get there. And I'm not sure I do. But he got there. And then he goes to give an offering to God. And I'm going to kind of shorten this up for you with just one verse. But King David replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying the full price. This is for the land that Aruna was just going to give him. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or a sacrifice, a burnt offering that costs me nothing. I'm not going to give to God something that costs me nothing. You know, God believes in partnership in our giving. A sacrifice implies that you're losing something you want. That it it hurts a little bit. 
when you give. And for some of us, we're not experiencing the investment that we could because financially speaking, we don't really feel any sacrifice. And this is a principle of Scripture, again, that's found everywhere, but it goes back to the partnership in our relationship with God. This is not a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship. And God wants to walk with us in our giving. And so that's one area. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. One of the great purposes I know that we feel as a church here in the Lighthouse region is to share our faith. Amen? To reach out to a lost and hurting world. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll just read to you here from verses 6 through 8. He says, I planted the seed and Apollo swatted it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. What is Paul talking about here? He says, look, we have a role. We have a partnership with God in reaching out to a lost world. God ultimately will make things grow. And to this day, you know, there's certain principles of photosynthesis and life-giving that we just can't figure out. God just does it. And we're grateful for it. Amen? But we do have a role when it comes to growing the church. We do plant. And we do water. And there is a purpose in our lives. And God considers you Worthy of partnership to saving the souls of this world. Think about that for a minute. That's kind of scary. It's kind of exciting. It definitely helps us to feel a responsibility. And it's not because of the good things we do or or, or how impacting we are, but on the flip side, it does say, but look, if there's going to be this partnership, what we do and how we walk by faith is also going to partner with how God's going to work in an amazing way. And I love seeing people become disciples, don't you? Isn't it awesome? Seeing people's lives radically change is amazing. And we want to see that happen more and more and more. But it's going to be a function of faith and partnership in our relationship with God. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. It's on my Facebook page. Because it shows that God wants to partner with you even in building your faith. And look what he says here. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. I love that scripture. God is willing to sit with you and reason with you. And help you to work through the challenges and the difficulties in your faith. Faith is actually reasonable. Did you know that? Many people today believe that faith is a blind thing. You just walk by faith and you you, you throw your brain out. I I don't completely see that in Scripture. I see the Scripture as very reasonable. And when you walk by faith and you live by faith, the outcome of your life proves the Scriptures to be true. If you're visiting with us today, I really want to strongly encourage you to take some time to study out faith in the Bible. Because we have a a series of studies called the Faith Principles, and it will build your faith. You know, as much as I went to church growing up as a kid, the one thing that I didn't do is focus on building my faith. And it had been a neglected part of my spirituality. So there were some great faith seeds planted, 
in my experience going to church, belief that, that the Bible is the word of God, that Jesus is the son of God. And those are critical building blocks for faith. But there was, but, but there was so much that was left unlearned in my faith. And I want to encourage you today, if that's where you're at, to take the time. Ask the person that invited you to come to church today. Hey, what are these faith principles all about? I mean, there are like six or seven Bible studies. They don't even take very long. They will radically change your faith. And you'll experience this, reasoning together with God to work through the challenges in your life, in your intellect, the sins that we might struggle with, to get to the other side of that and have an intimate and close relationship with God. That's amazing. And that's what we can experience as we grow our faith. Second Kings, back to the main scripture, our text this morning, and then we'll close. Chapter 4 and verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. What is your prayer life like this morning? How is your relationship with God in terms of your faith? This widow went out and she got crazy amounts of jars. I mean, I imagine that every empty jar in her neighborhood ended up at her house. The kids are out there knocking on doors. And you know how it is when the neighbor coming around and asking for something. You're like, oh, okay, you need that? Yeah, sure, borrow it. Can I borrow an egg? Am I going to get it back? No, I'm not. Here, take the egg. You know I mean? That kind of thing. And like it's an, I got five empty jars. I'm not using them. You take them. And this widow ends up with just jars everywhere. Because she took the prophet at his word when he said, don't ask for just a few. Now, what if she only did ask for a few? How would the story be different? Well, I got a few, Elijah. and Okay, well, pour the, yeah, go sell them. I don't know if it's going to cover your expense. But not only did what she did in following the prophet cover the debt, it covered her and her children for the rest of their lives. How is that possible? Because she took the prophet at his word. How many times does Jesus say, ask? Ask God. Cry out to God. He will provide. But you don't understand my circumstance. Now, he will provide. He will provide. And you sit down, you look at the scripture, and it grows your faith. And you get that look. It just starts to get in your eye. People go, you, you kind of look different. It's the eye of the tiger. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know about you anymore. You know, <laughs> what's going on with you? I've been studying the Bible, and it's changing my faith. I'm beginning to believe in God in ways I never thought possible. God is changing my life. There are many of us in here today who have experienced this, haven't you? That person stopped you, they reached out to you, they shared their faith with you. They partnered with God and the scriptures to grow your faith. And you have an opportunity to leave a legacy in your family, at the job that you work at, in your neighborhood. A legacy of light in a lost world. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask just one or two people. Continue to put many requests before God. Why? Because God is big. Because God can do anything if we would only ask. If we would only ask. 
what do you have? You go, well, I have a lot of painful experiences in my life. I hear you. So do I. I got a lot of them, too. You know, painful experiences aren't exclusive to you, and they're not exclusive to me. Everybody has them. Everybody has them. What varies from person to person is what you do with it and how you respond to it. Does that make sense? Let's look at some of the ways people respond to the challenges uh, in their life. Some live in denial. Nah, my problems don't exist. I'm just going to ignore them and they'll go away. Does that usually work? No, not really. That problem, not so good. Some grit their teeth. I'm going to push through this problem. I'm going to get two jobs. I'm going to get three jobs. I'm going to go crazy. They try to muscle their way through their problems and their difficulties, the painful experiences that they have. But it's not necessarily the ingredients that the Bible would give us. Some just give up. They give up on their marriage. They give up on their children. They give up on life. It is staggering at Cal Poly Pomona the rates of attempted suicide in our campus population. These are, these are kids at the prime point of their lives. They're, they've got the whole world in front of them, and yet already life seems so bleak, so challenging, that almost half say they have seriously considered suicide as an option. And that comes from the Department of Health right there on campus. It's incredible. Some just, I'll just give up on the challenges because of the challenges in my life. Some try to improve their lives. Some try to figure out ways to make it a little bit better. And that's a noble quest. Some turn to Wall Street. I'm going to invest my way out of it. Get my 401k and get a great retirement and then I'll be okay. But you know, living your life, looking ahead at the next level... The question is, where are you going to end up? I remember as a college student feeling so unfulfilled by my life and looking at my life and thinking, okay, I'm going to get a degree so I can get a job, so that I can make some money, so that I can get married, so that I can have kids, so that I can retire when I'm like 70. And after all of that hard work, who knows how many years I'll have left to enjoy life. But I look at a lot of older men today who are retired and have a lot of money, and they're just not happy. I mean, outside of this group of handsome older men in here, (laughs) how many older men over 70 do you see walking around really happy? Smile on their face! It's just not our world, brothers and sisters. It's not reality. Some, and I hope this is all of us today, some will humbly ask for help from their faith community, from their small group, from their partner in the faith that they pray with every week. They'll get open about their hearts. They'll get open about their sin. And they'll believe in a God who can do anything. They'll get that look in their eye. You know, the Bible says that the eyes are a window into your soul. They show what's really going on. And I'll tell you, man, at the end of that video, that woman, she's got the eye of the tiger. She got, she got that look that God's on her side. It's going to be awesome. 
And so let's close with this today as we continue to consider the widow. Do you really see God as the ultimate provider in your life? Or do you see your job as the ultimate provider? Or do you see your family as the ultimate provider? What do you see when you look at God? Are you willing to cry out to God for the help in faith that he will hear and respond? To cry out with God in faith. God, you will respond. You will answer. And are you willing to do your part in the relationship? You say this morning, what is my part? How do I, how do, I do that? Well, let's go back to Isaiah one more time. Isaiah chapter 1. Turn your Bibles over there. I know this is a little bit small. I apologize for that. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And we'll finish here, and we're going to spend some time meditating on the cross and getting our hearts really moved this morning by the love of God. You know, when you see a mother's love for her child, doesn't it move you? Isn't it awesome the way a mom loves her child? God loves you even more than that. He loves me even more than that. Sometimes that's hard to believe, but it's really true. And he proves it in a scripture like this in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Reason about what? He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. I heard something recently I thought was really, really cool. Have you heard about the five love languages and different people's love language? Maybe you've heard something about that. What I heard this week, is someone, someone had done a lesson about this, was that obedience is God's love language. I thought, wow, that's so cool. And you know, it's so true, isn't it? That, that this is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. God's love language is obedience, and you see it clearly in the scripture. If you're willing, in other words, if your heart desires it, not if you just show up at church, because you could show up to church for the rest of your life and not be willing. You just come because, you know, you're raised that way. You come because you'll feel guilty if you don't go. But if you're willing, if your heart wants it and you're obedient. See, that's true faith, isn't it? It's faith that believes, that has a heart, and it follows through with obedience. How is your love language going with God this morning? You know, this challenges me deeply, and that's why I love the scripture. Because the payoff, the benefits of it are huge. Your sins will be completely wiped out. And if we could take time this morning to recount all of the sin in all this room, my goodness, it would be immense. But see, God says, look, in one fell soup, I will wipe that out through the blood of Jesus Christ if you are willing and obedient. Now let's think about the widow for a minute. Was she willing? Man, her heart was moved, wasn't it? Was she obedient? Without hesitancy, she just went for it. Okay, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. You know, she got all that oil. Now what do I do with it? I mean, is God going to like beam it up to heaven and send me a check? Prophet goes, no, you still got more to do. I want you to go out and sell that oil. And she does it. 
You know, God wants to be partners with you this morning. Any relationship that's good in a family is a two-way relationship. What we appreciate so much about our mothers is their unconditional love for us as we grow up as children. But what I put before you this morning is that as we sit here and recount the ways that our mothers loved us and the way they treated us, it moves us to love them as well. And the same is true with God. He loved you before you even realized he did. He loved you in your darkest hour. He loved you in your hardest moment. And he's still there loving you now. And when your eyes are open to that, and you see the calling of God, and you step out on faith, and you say, okay, I want to I know God better because I'm willing, because my heart is moved, because of love. And you see the scriptures come, unfold before your eyes, and you obey it. God blesses your life like you couldn't even imagine. That's the challenge this morning for us. If you leave here with nothing else today, my question for you is, what do you have? What do you mean, what do I have? What do you have? I got nothing. Look around. What do you have? And will you take what you have and act on obedient faith with a willing heart? Let's pray at this time as we prepare our hearts for the communion. Let's bow together. Almighty God and Father, we're so amazed by the many examples.